Hey, everybody. Andres Gamboa back here again for another episode of the Ponytails podcast. I'm excited about this one. This one has been in the works since like, I think April, late April, when I first met JT. Now, before I introduce JT to the show, we have we have a couple of announcements for you guys. Just make sure you listen up to this. One, uh, sign up for a newsletter. Let's go. If you're hearing this at this point, our newsletter should be out at theponytailspodcast.com. Make sure you guys go and sign up. You're going to get information about what's coming up on the show, uh, cool things to buy that you can go check out on our website, uh, uh, upcoming guests, cool things that we're doing, trips that we're making, meetups that we're having, alumni reunions that we're putting together. Go check them out. Make sure uh, you follow it along. It's just going to be sent to you once a month. Nothing too crazy. So that would mean a lot to us if you could support. If not, that's okay too, of course. If this is your first episode, uh, welcome. Uh, We are the Ponytails Podcast. We are... Uh, people who interview our company or our show interviews people who sold books door to door for 80 hours a week with a company called Southwestern Advantage. And while we're not affiliated with the company in any way, all of our guests, for the most part, and myself, all sold books for this company in college during our summer breaks. And we went from Monday through Saturday, knocking on doors, helping families with education. And it's been around since like 1855 or something like that, since like the Civil War, literally. And so we've had guests from all walks of life who come and share their stories and talk about how that experience affected them for the good, the bad, or the great. And it's been a blast so far. We've done over 150 episodes and we're still going strong. We're just barely scratching the surface. So hope you enjoy the stories. Hope you enjoy the stories about what these people are up to now. And uh, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe, follow us on Instagram, all that jazz. We are also wanting to shout out and give you some words of wisdom from some of our partners here on the show who share some amazing uh, incentives or excuse me, some amazing uh, nuggets of wisdom. For example, Will Metcher uh, always shared with us about how to be a successful coach, whether you're coaching someone in sales or in a sports team. Uh, Here are his three tips. Tip number one, realize coaches are still broken. The question will be is if you can admit that about yourself, you're not perfect and it's okay. Look for help as a coach yourself. Number two, you don't have to know everything to be a great coach. You just have to actually care, ask good questions, and hold keep uh, hold people accountable to doing more. If you've ever watched Ted Lasso, it's a prime example. And then number three, uh, your clients or your team, you know, they, they don't have to be necessarily the most driven people. They don't, maybe they don't want to be the best at something. They just want to have a good work-life balance or they just want to be successful in other aspects of their life. And you helping them along with that is all that they need. So thanks, Will, for those pieces of wisdom. Also, quick wisdom from uh, Quentin Roberts. He is in life insurance with Cardinal Senior Benefits. It's late, uh, late insurance. And so here's the thing, guys. With this, he gave us some advice. If you're going into the field of life insurance, here's a couple of things he said. One, if you're entering into the game, don't do it for the money as far as trying to figure out your compensation schedules and all that stuff. That's not the important part. The important part is looking for the right culture, the right fit, the overall performance of the group that you're joining. If that is solid, then that's a good place for you to be. Make sure you marry the idea of being part of that company and make sure you look at it for the long-term. Great advice from him. And then one more shout-out over to Elevate Wellness. These guys are doing the Sizzler Shred. If you just got done selling books, this is particularly pertaining to you, they are doing their second annual uh, Sizzler Shred. So as they're preparing for Sizzler, they're trying to help people look their best and feel their best, and they're doing it in a form of contest because book people – we love contests. And so make sure you guys sign up for this. Uh, it's a good way to get yourself in your best shape. Even if you're not going to Sizzler, join. Uh, there's prize money to be given out for the person that does the best. And it's just a habit-based thing. So you don't have to even like get super strong or feel like you're like way too far away to look your best or whatever. It's all about forming the right habits and making sure that you're doing the best thing with your mind. And that's how they measure 
the criteria for winning. There's a bunch of prizes. Last year, they gave like about $4,500 worth of prizes to the top three people. And they gave $1,000 away to the service project that they do at Sizzler. And this year, they're looking to like double, maybe triple that. So make sure you guys reach out to us to find out how to enter that contest. It's not too late. Make sure you click on the link below or just messages on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or leave a comment. We'll find it and then we'll get back to you with more information. Now, let me introduce our guest for today. So JT Olson. I met JT uh, briefly for like maybe like an hour or two uh, at Lee McCroskey's house last spring when we were doing our alumni get together for our beer launch in uh, Nashville. So I went to Nashville. We were at Lee's house. We, there was like a bunch of people that showed up. It was kind of nice. We had our drivers and just kind of caught up with a bunch of different alumni. Uh, and Lee introduced me to JT and I was like, oh man, this guy's awesome. So I invited him to be on the show and we've been trying to find a time that made sense for both of us. And here we are, we've done it. And I'm super excited. So JT sold for six summers. He's first sold in 1975 uh, and ended his book selling career in 1980. He went on to work for the corporate company uh, later on, but we can get into that a little bit later. Uh, he was part of the Bay 7 Joe Martin organization, which is, uh, that was his first First manager, we're going to talk about that too. He had a couple different ones that he went through. He went to the University of Wisconsin, but originally he is from Brookfield, Wisconsin, which is a suburb of Milwaukee. Um, if you want to get a hold of JT, all you got to do is go to uh, bothhands.org. That's B O T H H A N D S.org. And there on the screen, you can see JT at bothhands.org. That's actually one of the biggest reasons I want to bring him on the show to talk about. This organization that he's working with and it's amazing what they're doing but i'll let him tell you all about it and last but not least his favorite scroll which we all want to know is i will greet this day with love in my heart so here in a sec i'll be back on the air with jt olson guys ponytails podcast here we go <laughs> Hello, sir. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I am alert, alive, friendly, cordial, firm, enthusiastic, baby. That's what I am. Come on. <laughs> Do you want to do some execs? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. What a time up, to be alive. <laughs> what a time to be alive. What did you like when you first went to that? Like, we'll get more into details later on. But when you first saw the execs, I feel like that's the biggest like. Thing that you have to let go of you know what i'm saying of, of yourself the, the biggest point where you have to lose your cool card and just embrace this culture is when they get you to do exact you know what i'm talking about <laughs> yes just, i re i remember that i remember something very similar to that my very first summer in sales school oh my, we were being cool it was our madison guys and we were being cool and our student manager was so frustrated with us and he had recruited like a 23 or 24 24 person team dick justin and and, and I think it was like Tuesday, you know, we were just I think we thought we were cool, you know, because, hey, we're from Madison, the biggest party school in the nation, hey, you know, and, you know, I, I think every school claims that. But anyway, he had a guy from another organization come in and start getting us say, you guys got to be enthusiastic because we were sitting in the back row, you know, and every, I mean, we're talking typical, you know, too cool for guys. school. And, and boy, this guy came in and said, if you act enthusiastic, you become enthusiastic. If you act enthusiastic, and he kept going up and down. I said, no, do it with me. And then we kind of started doing it with him a little bit, you know. 
And then all of a sudden we jumped in. If you act enthusiastic, you become enthusiastic. If you act enthusiastic. And he had us roaring. And I, 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 it's for the first time in my life is when it hit me. I thought I can actually control how I think and feel. And uh, so oh, we were cool gosh. after that. So, yeah, that's <laughs> short story. We'll get into more details of that later on in the second the southwestern segment of this episode because that's hilarious. But I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's good because that changes our lives. Really, that's one of the biggest things we figure uh, out. Oh, we control. We oh, control. I get to choose how I feel. Yes, like, yes. I, can, I. It's either my feelings control me, or I, you know, I control them. You know, it's okay to feel whatever you feel, but you can control the reaction. That yeah. lesson right there. Oh, let's get into that in a little bit. But first, I wanted to ask you because. It was that I didn't even get to talk to you much about this when we were at Lee's. This is kind of just kind of came up kind of sporadically throughout our conversation at Lee's house. But then at the end, I really started getting to understand what you were doing. And then I said, well, you know what? Why don't you just tell me about this on an episode? And so but that, actually, this is what I'm most, I'm most excited to talk to you about. So tell me about both hands. How did this, what is it? How did you get into this? Tell me this story. Cause I mean, I know you're excited to tell me and I've, I'm looking forward to this. I was looking forward to this all week. Honestly, I, I love telling this story, Anders. I, 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 sure. You know, I, I just think it's a great story of how, I mean, the way I see it, how God can take something that's hard and difficult and turn it into something that's very, very beautiful and amazing. I was, well, I mean, what we do at both hands, we help families raise money for adoptions, and we do it by working on a widow's house. Now, whenever I tell somebody that, they always look at me real polite. And, you know, you can tell, but there's a glaze in their eyes that they're going, oh, that's real nice. But they have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. And so I have found the best way to explain this is to tell you how it happened. I was on the board of an organization here in town. We were raising money for uh, helping women in crisis pregnancies and things like that. And, and, and it was a golf tournament fundraiser where the kind where you mail letters out to people and you say, would you sponsor me while I golf? You know, or some people would say, sponsor me while I run this 5K or sponsor right. me while I dance for eight, 18 hours. You know, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I sent my letters out. There's a buddy who I was in a Bible study with. He sends my letter back to me, does not include a check. He just scribbled across my letter with a magic marker. He said, JT, if you told me you were working on a widow's house, I might sponsor you. But you're just golfing. Nice cause, but not my money. And it hurt my feelings a little bit, but you know, I did sell books for six summers, so it didn't, it wasn't that bad. Uh, but, but I mean, I kept thinking about, it. I said, man, what a great idea. And I called him a couple of days later and we talked about it and laughed and he still didn't give me more money. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I did close. I tried to close a couple more times, but didn't, uh, nothing happened, but, but the idea just never left me. And, and a couple of years later, I'm in church running to a good friend of mine. In fact, Don Meyer, uh, one of the guys I worked with for many years at Southwestern, uh, you know, he had moved to Nashville and and uh, I hadn't seen him in a couple months. I said, hey, Don, what's up? He says, I'm adopting four kids from Moldova. And now Don already has three kids at home. And and I said, what happened? And he said, well, I went on a mission with Sweet Sleep delivering beds to orphanages in Moldova fell in love with this little boy, George. And on the pro when we got home, we started the adoption process and found out that George has three siblings. And he said, we're not going to break up the siblings. And it just, it resonated with me. I guess it took me back to when I was 12 years old, living on a farm in Northeastern Iowa, uh, just across the river from Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin. And I remember one weekend, uh, my mom and dad had left to celebrate their 16th wedding anniversary. And us five kids, we were farmed out to different places. And I remember Saturday night being brought home because mom and dad were coming home. And um, 
the neighbor dropped us off. I played in the barn all day, so I was dirty. I had to go in the basement door. My older brother, he went in the front door. But I remember sitting on this chair in our basement, bending over, unlacing my boots. And my brother came down the stairs and I, I asked him, I said, are mom and dad home? And he looked at me and he said, mom and dad are dead. And I said, what? He said, mom and dad are dead. They were killed in a car accident an hour ago. And he turned around and walked upstairs. I mean, he, he was a zombie. You know, he was just, he had just hurt himself as he walked through the front door. And, and I remember that moment. I remember hitting that floor and crying and wailing like any 12 year old would cry, you know, and thinking what's going to happen to us now. Who's going to take care of us? The things that go through your mind, I guess when you find out you don't have parents and just like all the things that keep you tethered in life, they're kind of snipped. And it's, it's, it's the, it's the most unbelievable feeling in the world and, and thinking, are we going to get broken up? Who's, who's going to take care of us? What's going to happen now? I mean, I know what it's like to be an orphan and I know it's like to, to, to have that feeling, but I also know what it's like to be rescued because Three months before this accident, my mom and dad and my aunt and uncle, they changed their wills that if anything would happen to one of them, the other couple would take them. Well, my aunt and uncle lived in Brookfield, Wisconsin, a very, very nice suburb of Milwaukee. They were 33 years old. They already had three kids of their own. And they took all five of us in. Oh. I mean, I know what it's like to have someone come up and say, we got you. It's going to be got, okay. It's going to be okay. Wow. And so back when Don tells me, we're not going to break up the siblings. I mean, I'm the just right guy to say that to, you know, because I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, are you sure? You better be careful. You know, I mean, I'm sitting there. I remember cheering him on thinking, honestly, what the, the thought that went through my head was, here's a man who's trusting God in a way that I envy. I want to have that kind of faith. And I looked at Don, and by then we had adopted, our fifth child adopted we had adopted by then. I said, Don, how much is this going to run? He said, I don't know. They're telling us 70 or 80,000. And I said, any idea how you're going to pay for that? He said, no. And I said, I think I got an idea. And so that was the first plan. Don and I got remember, we worked together for like 10 years at Southwestern. And we, that's, he was one of the main drivers along with a bunch of other very, very good people uh, that in the late eighties, early nineties, that's what made Madison, Wisconsin, number one school in the nation for three years in a row. Don helped build that organization. And so we had, we'd worked together before and we were actually a pretty good team. <laughs> um, so I said, Don, I got this idea. Don, we recruit about 14, 15 guys around Nashville. Most of them are old Southwestern guys, you know, uh, right. Craig Soder and, and uh, Robert oh, Scott. Jeff, I mean, just a bunch of stars around here. Uh, Sean Lewis, studs. Uh, just studs. studs. And so we found a widow in, uh, in Nashville who needed help and we got all the supplies donated for it. We didn't, we didn't spend any money on supplies because everyone we went and talked to about supplies, they said, yeah, dude, what do you need? Whatever you need, we'll help. This we is donated. awesome. Yeah. Whatever you need. Yeah. Amazing. And we all sent letters out. <clears throat> and then the day of the project, I, I think about 35 people showed up. It was an amazing day. I'll never forget it. As long as I live, uh, miss the miss Lucille, the widow was so moved. And when it was all over, by the time all the money had come in several months later, you know, it, it kind of came in. We'd raised a little over 70000 Perfect. 
<laughs> my goodness. <laughs> and I, wow. I, I couldn't believe it. God's grace or God's will or divine yeah. intervention. That's it right there. Well, I shouldn't have been surprised. There we were serving widows and orphans, you know, and, and uh, you know, it was, it was be blessed, but it was just amazing. And about six months later, another, another six months later, another Southwestern alumni, Bill Kersey and his wife, they were coming, they were going to adopt and they need to raise money. He said, I heard what you did with Don, would you help me? And so we did another project. I think they need to raise about 13,000. We raised about 12,000, but you know, it was, uh, it, it was an awesome project. And, and I, I was amazed because one of the things we did in that project was put on a roof. And this is kind of a, this is, I guess, what really put the seed in my heart about really serving and things like that. But I remember sitting on that roof and looking at this lady's yard, 54 people showed up that day. We had transformed the front of her house. We transformed the back of her house and we put a new roof on. And, and I, then I looked out at the street and I counted 19 cars. And I thought, what a testament to the rest of the neighborhood, you know, about, about, about this is how you take care of a widow because she'd lost her husband seven months earlier in a car accident. She had a fourth grader and an eighth grader. I mean, this woman was hurting, My God. but we were blessing her and she was just going around crying all day long. <laughs> you know, she, she couldn't believe it, but it took me back to, I remember about a month after the accident on the farm, took me back to when I was 12. I got off the bus one day, it was about a month after, and my aunt and uncle took my two little sisters who were three and five right away. So my three brothers, we were seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. We stayed on the farm to live with my dad's sister, who was a widow. She moved to the house to take care of us. And my dad had a brother who lived with us. So, you know, it was a brother and sister, uh, Uncle Clifford and Agnes taking care of us. But uh, I think they didn't want to move us three kids out of the farm situation into a Brentwood type, uh, you know, Brookfield type situation uh, with that adjustment of losing your parents too. But so we finished the school year out. But it was about a month after April beautiful day. We got off the bus and our bus stops about a half mile from the house. It's on a hill. You can see a lot of our farm. And I remember getting off the bus and there in our fields were, were all our neighbors with their tractors and their plows and their planters. And they were planting our crops. I mean, I remember them. I remember these Bob Grana, Leland Meyer, Ed Cooper, Bert Jubik, Doc Weimiller, Johnny Wolf. Jack Melcher, I mean, these are my dad's buddies taking care of their buddies' kids, wow. making sure the crops got planted. And, and I mean, I know it's like to have your feet washed. I know it's like to have someone serve you in a way that you can't, you know, there's no way you can repay them. And the people who are serving you don't want you to repay them. They, they're just giving their life away. And I saw that firsthand. And, uh, Back, it was at the end of that second project. I got off that roof and I just, it was hitting me. My wife and I went out to dinner that night and I said, honey, I think I'm supposed to do this. And and uh, she said, well, and she was a stay-at-home homeschooling mom. We have five kids. <laughs> she said, hey, have you thought about health insurance? <laughs> <laughs> what about like a salary, you know, a, something to come in every month, you know? Uh, and I said, yeah, what, 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 what would you think <laughs> about oh. going to work outside the home? And she, I mean, eventually, I mean, within a couple months, she was working at Belmont University, an entry-level position. She eventually worked her way up to uh, position development, and then she got recruited out of there to work with an organization out of Washington called Concerned Women for America. And, and uh, she really does a great job. I mean, in my mind, I see this, the whole change has really had an impact on her and all the life she had a chance to talk touch too. She also sold books, by the way. 
And um, oh yeah. <laughs> see, you got me off. This is my, my allergies are acting up here. Yeah, there's a lot of pollen. Close. A lot of pollen in Poland. A lot of pollen in in, in Nashville and, and there uh, is right now. There is in, in Portland too. Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but I, but but I remember that I started we, I started both hands. And that was uh, coming up on, it'll be 15 years, uh, well, since the first project. But now we've done, and, and this is my favorite part, <laughs> we've done 1,180 projects in 45 states. That's and wild. We've raised $15.8 million for families to use for adoptions or organizations to use for orphan care projects. 1,429 kids are no longer orphans and uh oh 1347 widows have been served and that's i mean and then here's the kicker unbelievable. Of that huh unbelievable that's amazing yeah that's why i love telling this story i mean it's amazing it's how god can take something that's really painful and hard but eventually he's going to turn to something that's beautiful it's I, it's like you know uh when I was 52 is when I started this. And it was for me, it was like God was saying, JT, everything you've done to this point this is all training for this. The things you learned at Southwestern, the, the tragedy, the trauma, the whatever you've gone through to heal and all this other stuff, it's all just a tee it up. Just tee it up now, man, because this is going to be fun. And <laughs> I'm 66 now, and I'm still having so much fun doing this because, I mean, how would you not have fun? Um, but of the 15.8 million we've raised, I should say this. 100% of that money goes to the cause. We don't take anything out for operations. And I know that makes us uh, a little bit different. But honestly, my goal yeah. my goal was to make this the most irresistible nonprofit in America. We serve widows and orphans, and we don't take any money out of the money we help those organizations raise. We do raise our money on the side. We have a big project every year that we do to raise funds. We don't have a concert or a banquet or anything, but we got some great friends who love us every month and some great uh great friends at christmas time so uh it's it's just an amazing story so that's why that's that's fun to tell that story <laughs> wow that's Hold what on. i do digest all of this that is great that is like amazing first of all okay 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 let me share this first well, I'm gonna put this on the screen so people can kind of if you someone's watching and if you're watching oh. or listening on Spotify, yeah, there it this. is. I pulled up here's bothhands.org. And if you guys are curious, just go to bothhands.org on your phones or in mobile devices or in your computer, wherever you're listening right now. You can check this out. There's a project. You can start a project. There it explains how it works for adoption, for a group project for orphan care. And then right here you have some of these amazing uh, images yeah. of families. Those are our families and widows. A thousand families, over a thousand families across 45 states. And then you can go check out the projects. You guys have a blog. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's some of our current projects. That's amazing. Yeah, every time you watch one of those videos, man, that's allergy season for you right there. In yeah. allergy season in your living room. Um Holy yeah, and really, if they want to see some fun videos, every year we do a, every time we cross a million dollars, we always do a fun video. And uh, some people on the, on listening may have seen, oh yeah, the fire. I do a fireside chat, and uh, every once in a while we talk about some issues that are important or something coming up. But <clears throat> the million dollar, the million dollar ones is are fun too. So those are all the fireside chats. Yeah. Wow. Have you turned these into podcasts? 
I don't, I don't think so. Uh, my, my technical guys would know that. I don't know. We're not doing, I wouldn't know that. Wouldn't I? Yeah, I wouldn't know that. Uh, <laughs> you should, it, they're on the YouTube, they're on YouTube or Vimeo, you know, uh, you could but, you could do that. You you could easily turn that into a podcast. No problem. Like after this, connect me with your guys, and we'll figure. I'll show you guys how to do it. No problem. Yeah, I know we've talked about it a lot. You know, talking about that. I just you know, it it'd be it'd be fun. Get the word out. Yeah, here. it's a good way to do it because one of the things we figured out with this is people love. I mean, some so a lot of our people watch this and they watch the interview, but sometimes yeah. people are at the gym and they're doing like a workout or they're at the grocery store or they're cleaning their house or whatever. And they just, they don't have their phone in front of them. So they just, they'll just sit and listen to whatever while they do the thing. Yeah. And so podcasts are a good way to kind of still get a word out without it being like a, plus you can just subscribe to that one. And then, so yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that after, after we're done airing. And I know we've talked about it. We've we talked about, it. I'm just not sure how long I can go, but I've seen a lot of podcasts and, but yeah, it's good it's, advice. You I'll, do it. Okay. You can do it. You can, you can do, do it. it. Okay. No. Okay. So I have a question for you. So, <laughs> Oh man, this is so cool. Wow. First of all, thank you for sharing. This is amazing. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Cause there's, I, I've, I've been blessed and I have ever lost a parent. And I know that this happened to you when you were 12, but I'm sorry to hear because I'm sorry, I'm sorry for your loss. And I'm sorry that it happened so young. I, I have friends who parents have passed away. Uh, we've had people on the air who have had parents who've passed away uh, when they were young. And it's, it's never, it's never like uh, something we take lightly here. I, I want to say thank you for sharing and being vulnerable and telling us about that story because it's inspiring and it's and it takes a lot of guts to just open about open up about that even if you've done it a ton of times every time it's still it's still hard um so thank you um now when it comes to this so 15 years ago so in 2005 2008 we started 2000 oh yeah officially eight and the first project was a little bit before that. So how long did it take? Okay. So it was a year before the first project until you realized, let's jump in. And your wife went and started working at the university. That was a year. Yeah. Mike, go get that right. Okay. So when you started, did you see this? Or is this beyond what you thought could be possible? Or are you still not where you want to be? Like what? Where, where when you're looking at your 2022 versus 2008 JT, where are you where you wanted to be? Are you past that? How, how, how would you compare, you know, now well, versus then? You know, I, I never, I just, I didn't know if it would work. I didn't know if it would work, okay. you know, especially the way okay. I want to do it without taking any money out of the help money we help families raise. And, uh, you know, my board, we, I got some guys around me and some friends and, and, uh, you know, they're the ones who, who really encouraged me and I didn't do this alone. I did a lot of, a lot of good men and women who have come alongside and said, you go, you go, man, you go. <laughs> um, yeah. and, uh, um, so I didn't know if it would work. So, I mean, yeah, I had a vision that it could work, but you know, having raised when I say 15.8 million and we're just on the verge of cracking 16 million, it still blows me away. But, and then I think of the numbers, I mean, 1,180 projects and each project involves, you know, about 25 to 30 volunteers and plus about, 400 to 600 letters go out. I mean, the ripple effect is amazing. Did I think it through? No. Did I think, I didn't think about the impact it would have on a widow that 25 or 30 people would come around her, around her in her community and love on her. And when you watch some of these videos on their website, it just, it tears you up because, you know, you hear widows say things like, I didn't know. And I thought everyone had forgotten about me. I didn't, I didn't know people oh. still cared. 
I mean, and some things, and, and the and the what a project does, it's amazing, you know. Yeah. Now that's so. I yeah, I I thought it could work. I just I I thought it's such a good idea. How can it not work? <laughs> you know, right? No, for uh, sure. But my long term vision. I mean, the vision I really do. I that I think can happen. Yeah. I would love it if every weekend there was this project happening in every state. I mean, that would be 50 projects every weekend times 50 weeks. That'd be 2,500 projects in a year. I mean, if we did that at the rate we're going, I don't know the math. I'd never like to do math in public, uh, you know, ahead of time. But I, what is that, over 10 million? Yeah, <laughs> what is that? Crazy. Must be $2 trillion, right? Oh, yeah, let's do that. Uh, that's <laughs> but I mean, Let's just raise that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that would be amazing. Of course, Texas would have to make up for Rhode Island because, you know, you got that. Uh, but, uh, I mean... You know, I just, I just think, I just, I just think it's such a great idea. And what, what I, what I didn't always see coming was the way it affects the people who volunteer on a project and how they feel at the end of the day, because for some of the men or women, it's the first time they've given their life away and, and they just walk away thinking, wow, that was amazing. And I honestly believe that we were created with a, there's a, there's a spot inside all of us that is it's meant for service. It's meant to be given away. And when that thing gets filled up, it does something to you physically. I mean, physically it does something. It, it, I don't know if it's, I don't know which, which of the things that releases, but I know there's, you know, dopamine and all sorts of things like that. that Yeah. 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 I knew there was a word. There are a bunch of chemistry smart guys could tell us or gals. They they could tell us, but uh, you and I, we're just simple folk. We're just, I just we're just we're just here trying to help. I just know I get excited when it happens. <laughs> oh man, that's so awesome. Oh, I love that. Okay, so that's the the vision is like to have one per weekend per state. That's beautiful. That's a tangible that's... you could hold on to that goal. Do you uh, I wanted to ask you this? Because you would know a couple of questions, you know, and I'll repeat the second one, but just I'll tell you both, and then you can answer the first. First of all, is what are some things that like for someone like me? Like I, I am admittedly ignorant. There's I've had my own hardships in life. Everybody has. We've all been through the hardest right. thing that we've been through. But right. for someone who like me, who I have no idea what it's like to lose a parent yet, thank God. But what is something that it, it, it like you know? I, I guess I'm trying to ask things to know things to like kind of help people who might not know that experience get into that perspective and try to help them understand like what that feels like because for example you know if you ask someone hey what does it feel like to get a divorce i've never been divorced but it's like you know there's certain things you shouldn't shouldn't say that like people try to like be on eggshells around you kind of that idea what what is that like and then the second question is um what is something that people should know who maybe still have their parents or, who, you know, who are parents to help prepare and prevent? I mean, like something like life insurance, savings, all that, a will. That, so we'll get back to that question in, in a more technical sense later. But like from a standpoint of what what don't people understand of what that's like to lose someone like your parent or, or a spouse? What, mm-hmm. what, what should people know? What should they be careful with? What should they avoid doing to help their friends or, or in, in the care of their friends? I, you know, look, looking back, I think a lot of it, you have to realize, you know, how old are you? I was 12 years old. You know, I, I knew my mom and dad, you know, I remember them. I still remember them. I can still picture them. So, you know, it's not like my sisters who were three and five. Uh, they have a different, they have a different paradigm. Um, but, uh, but I remember them and I remember we don't, we still own the farm in Iowa. We go back every year. Sometimes I go back twice a year. So uh, throughout the last 40, 50 years. What is it? No, 15, 60, 50, the last 50 years. Uh, you know, we've gone back to the farm and uh, 
um, my brother's still part of the community. So I, I knew and interacted with people who knew my mom and dad. So uh, it was sometimes good to hear the stories. <clears throat> so, but I think from my perspective, uh, I think sometimes a reassuring word, I, I just know that uh, people around me that, that reminded me that, you know, there is a God and, and we can't control these things. Uh, it, it's not like, oh yeah, this was meant for, you know, this is, this is supposed to have, you know, this is supposed to happen. Those kind of things I think are hard. What I've learned over the years, I think this is an answer to your question is I think when people go through these hard things that are difficult to talk about, I think it's important to just number one, just be there. Even if you sit, even if you just sit, and you and you clean someone's bathroom, or you wipe down the kitchen counter, or you put away the dishes. You just the fact that you're there, you know, and and you're doing something. I think that's more. That's the kind of things that people will remember because at some point conversations will come up. And and I think and we for some reason maybe book people feel that way too. I don't know. I got to do something. I got I got to say something. Yeah. I got to say that's, something. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, what I've learned over the years is just. Sometimes just be there, just, just be there. And I think the right things will happen. Uh, so that would be my, how I would answer that question. That's great. Honestly, that's probably the most, I, I've, I hope I'm not the only one, but I, that's a lot. Cause I am the kind of person that I feel like I need to fix everything. Mm. And sometimes I just need to just, just shut up and listen and be present. And that's enough. And people will come and talk to you when they're ready. Because I'm not like, how can I help you me feel better? It's like, no, sometimes you yeah. just need to just. Sometimes just you just need, sometimes you just need to be with people and sit in their sorrow with them. That's beautiful. That's <laughs> and that's beautiful. what you got to do. Yeah. Whew, that's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and then, okay. Wow. Thank you. What a, um, what a fully tales broadcast we got going, huh? Come on. Guys, 30, 34 minutes in, and this is great. This is such a fun uh, way to, you know, get to know you. Thank you so much for sharing and for being uh, open. Um, yeah, the, the second question. So you've seen, so 1,180, 1,180 families that you've witnessed have had a loss who were not, or it sounds like we're not the most prepared to handle this, not emotionally, but from the other standpoint of like, the financial side, the logistical side of things. What what can people do to help themselves? I guess if we're I, and I'm asking this from a standpoint of like I was in life insurance five years, and uh, we often talk to young families, right? And luckily, I never had to go give a claims check, yeah. but I often saw people on like uh, sites like GoFundMe who were like, "Hey, we're looking to try to raise money for funeral costs, or we're trying right. to find a way to right like the." That, that kind of stuff that's like, man, if you only had like a will, like you said, three months before your family had set up all these wills and that was probably huge looking back, right? What yeah. are some things that people should know, be aware of, not take for granted, not overlook to to avoid major, major catastrophe when everything is going to. I think, you know, I, I think making sure you line up if you're a parent uh, who, who would take your kids. Uh, I think that's oh. a I think that's kind of a no brainer, but probably a lot of people don't do it. Um, no. And you mentioned two of them already. I just think life insurance and um, um, a will or a trust. I think <clears throat> um, a trust is less taxes, but you know, I, I don't don't yeah. quote me. I don't know, uh, but yeah. uh, I, I do know. But don't say you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not a lawyer. We, 
we have to say we're not financial or law, right, or law exactly. experts. Right. Yes. Um, but in general uh, experience. <laughs> so, but no, I think that's what you named. And, and uh, I, I think, honestly, what I've observed, and now, you know, I'm 66 now. So there's a few things I've learned just growing older as you go through life and people you see. But what I've noticed is that people who handle those things, they, they go through them, they spend their life pouring into other people's lives. They're part of a community. They're good neighbors. They're, they're connected at church. They're connected somewhere. They don't do life alone. I think if you're doing life alone, just your family, you don't know your neighbors, you don't know anything, you don't get out much. I think when tragedy strikes, I think there's a, there's a, there's a huge vacuum. And usually when there's a vacuum, yeah, it's not great things happen. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we fill it with something else. Uh, right. So, you know, you can't prepare for that, but I just think it's, I, I I think that's what I'm saying is I think go through life, giving your life away, go, go through life, being a good neighbor, go through life, loving your neighbor, you know? And, and I think when tragedy happens, man, the people around, they will care for your loved ones. I think it's going to happen because I know we've been part of that. You know, when we've, yeah. it's people we've had here that have, that have lost loved ones and some dear friends and, you know. Yeah. So good community. So into other people's lives. I don't yeah. Read yeah. back towards you sometimes yeah. not for that purpose but just for the idea that it's yeah. we're all in it together exactly yeah you're not doing it because of that i'm just saying it's how do you live your life and again that's it all goes back to southwest i, I mean i think a lot of it goes back to southwestern right uh, you know right you sure. know you just absolutely. It's, how, how do you live your life yeah you know yeah absolutely on on that note and on the same topics so my brother <clears throat> when i uh when i was like really invested in the insurance stuff we also did like the legal shield and this is not a we had also alistair edwards here on the show so we, we talked about this he does legal shield and one of the things that you can do through legal shield i'm not saying and i'm not saying that this is what people should do but my brother and i i got him an account with legal shield and he forgot he had it and legal shield what they do is you can pay like a monthly fee and then you have a lawyer on retainer if needed yeah for like for like because sometimes you can't afford one sometimes it's just like you can't right and Anyway, so this is interesting that this is all coming up right now because about two months ago, not even, probably like four weeks ago, my brother calls me and he goes, hey, uh, what's your social? What's your, I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> Why? He goes, because we're doing our will. And now my <laughs> brother is 25 and young. So he's young, but he is good at taking advice from people who know better. And I told him a long time ago, I was like, dude, you got to get a will. You got to get, make sure you get your life insurance aligned. He got life insurance through me. And he called me. He's like, Hey, I need to make sure. Cause he's now going to have his second child. And so ah. it hit him. He remembered that I had told him, he goes, I just remember you told me, I remember I had this lawyer thing. We're setting up the will right now. And here's what I'm leaving you in case of our death. And he said, I just want the child. <laughs> That's what ah. I said. And he goes, he goes, no, yeah, yeah, for sure. But like, here's the other <laughs> stuff. And I go, Oh, okay. Um, and so it's, it's people don't think it happens. It, it happens. And people, don't like to talk about it because in in the united states unfortunately talking about death is hard for people i come from a country where people died all the time openly like we explosions and murder and death everywhere right and so it wasn't weird to we we got good or for good or bad we got adjusted or desensitized to death at least yeah. and so it's easy to talk about right it's hard to think about but it's easy to talk about because it's like hey it, you can die like things do happen where people do die. And then what happens is once that happens, 
it's too late. Like you should have done something about it, you know, and, and now we have this problem. So uh, I can't, I can't agree with what you're saying enough care for people, care for them well, but also get your ducks in a row as soon as you can, yeah. Yeah. as fast as you can and as best as you can. And if you don't know, ask and people will help and, 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 and make sure you're prepared. Cause that's, that's not a situation you want to be in uh, to have your kids be left like that or your you know spouse passes and yeah, that's scary. So, man, thank you for sharing all of this. this is amazing. Um, <laughs> if people want to donate, if people want to help, if people want to learn more, if people want to join the cause, better help. They just connect with you or better help. Yeah, they can uh, send me an email. Or, yeah, both hands, both hands.org or they can, they want to write me an email. That's what you gave at the beginning, JT at both hands.org. Um, cool. You know, and, we'll and, and I, I don't spend a lot of time in front of I don't spend a lot of time in front of my emails because I have an assistant that does that. She's an old, actually, she sold books for a couple summers. Uh, nice. Andy Bysoski. And uh, uh, she she does the most of my emails. So she helps me and lets me know when something comes in, especially from a Southwestern uh, alumni. Amazing. Amazing. And then if like, let's say people want to help in other ways, maybe they have a project and you have a project in a city near them that they listen to this like how can they find out where the projects are happening where they can go and help do stuff they can help go help well if they want to get connected to the family they probably have to contact us but they can go on our website and see you know i think they can do searches by states or uh okay. you know on the website if there's a product happening in arkansas or if there's one in california or texas whatever you know uh yeah but but if there's anyone out there in delaware or rhode island or vermont <laughs> those are some of the, the states we got to get we got to get some projects done so come on and and uh, and uh, Hawaii and it's either Utah or Nevada. I can't remember. I keep forgetting which one. I can connect you with someone in Hawaii. Okay, I if, should, they're, yeah. if they're adopting, that'd be good. Yeah, my my wife, my wife and her family have friends there, and they went to plant a church, and they're like doing a lot of really cool stuff out there in Hawaii, and uh, they they're really getting plugged into the community, so they could probably help you find families in need of what you I mean, yes. any, any family that's adopting or anyone that wants to do a project to raise money for an orphan care project orphan care that's that's what we do i will uh man man we have so much to talk about after this you know we'll we'll, we'll just stay in touch jt this is <laughs> also i sold in vermont and we have connections in vermont because my brother's group used to sell oh, there in, in uh, Rhode Island. so you know what you know we'll probably okay there's probably there's probably book kids selling that meet orphan families you know or like widowed families because I did. I remember selling books that I didn't like literally knock on a house and like dad had just passed or mom just passed or something like that. Oh, yeah. So I bet you we can use the network to help. Let's do this. If you're listening in and you know how to help, reach out to us, get, reach out to JT. Oh, man. This is awesome. I'm so glad that we're doing this. And I, and I, and by the way, and I personally coach every family that does a project, I personally coach them on it. So uh, that's, my, one of my major roles is I, I help families. Here's how you build a team. And I had some experience of that from Southwestern. A couple, one or two experiences from that. That's, Actually, that's do, do, are you, you ready, ready to roll into some Southwestern sure, stuff? Sure, sure. Oh, oh my gosh. How can we top this? This is, I mean, might as well just end it here. This has been an amazing episode. <laughs> just joking. But uh, wow, what an amazing uh, thing. Um, a quick shout out to, uh, uh, our friend Greta Huerta, she is crushing it. Her advice for you guys, speaking of this, is getting an emergency, an emergency fund set up. So after you go get your life insurance and your like all that will stuff figured out, get your emergency fund set up. Her advice, twenty to 30000 but really it's anywhere between three to six months of income. Get that set up. You never know when tragedy can strike. 
Uh, so thank you, Greta, for that advice. And then last but not least, quick word from Pat Roach uh, with Southwestern Real Estate. He was just in Wisconsin, actually. Uh, his, his daughter was selling books, and he went to go help her deliver. And Pat is an oh. awesome dude. <laughs> He's so great. We asked him about how to be a better realtor. If you're in the real estate business, how can you be a good realtor? Uh, there's two things that make you stand out. Uh, two things that came to mind. One, you can build a successful brokerage or just be a standout agent. Build a network is important for you, but professionalism is important for your clients. Know your stuff, have integrity, be reliable, and uh, do well at your job. Be a student of the game so you can help your clients best. That's his advice as a realtor if you're going into real estate. And if you want to work with Pat, let us know. We can reach out to him. You can get a one-on-one -on -one interview with him if you sold books specifically. <laughs> Good times. They're crushing it right now. So on that note, thank you, Pat. Now, all right, JT, let's do this. So we're going to wind the clocks back to 1975. Oh. And go, how the heck did you hear about this thing in the first place? <laughs> how did I, this work for you? I I remember very clearly how it happened. Who doesn't remember? <laughs> Honestly, we all do. It's been a constant 152 episodes. Someone's been like, I don't know. <laughs> They've all been like, oh boy. <laughs> no, my roommate, my roommate uh came in and uh it was, it was probably 10, 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. It was late because I was sleeping. It was a weekday. And uh, I was in the dorm room there in, in, at Madison, and he came in and said, hey, wake up. I got a job. I'm going to be selling books. I said, no, oh, get out of here. You know, I'm sleeping. And he said, no, wake up. You got to hear about this. I said, no, tell me tomorrow. And the next day, he told me about this job selling books. He can make $2,500, you know, or, you know, for the summertime. And this is back when I think Matt, tuition at Madison was, I think it was $275 or $325 a semester. And, you know, I mean, so $2,000 was a yeah, $275,000, which is kind of like what it's today. No, yeah, Just I mean, like yeah, 2400 was the average, I think. And uh, that's what that's what was that year. But anyway, he told me about the next day. I said, no, you're crazy. And I'm going to go back work in Milwaukee at the at the uh, donut factory. And uh, but uh, but, uh, the you know, he finally got me to go to a meeting. When I, I mean, that's when Dick just when I met Dick and he told me about it. And I looked at this thing and. I saw the books and I said, okay, those are good books. I can see that. You know, I can see why they, they'd be good to have in a home. And went back, told Uncle Ralph, um, you know, I think it was at Easter. And uh, he, he was, you know, he just looked at it and said, gee whiz. The first thing he says, you only got to sell two or three a day and you'll make this much. He said, oh, I'd do it. Now, my uncle and I probably didn't get along real well in high school. So he was probably thinking, how am I going to get this guy so he's not here for the summer? Uh, <laughs> and then, um, and we, then we, literally we, knock yeah, on the door. <laughs> yeah, we've had, we've had many laughs about that, uh, you know, over the years. But, um, no, he said, uh, you know, he said, go for it. And he, he you know, I, so I, I went and he got signed my letter of credit, had somebody else. And that's how I heard about it. I went to an interview and, and uh, I, I never pictured myself as a salesperson never 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 aspired to be one uh but i thought okay i can do this and i had to pay for college myself so uh money was figuring out a way to raise the to earn money was important that's huge and so then so then you go off to sales school did you were you like lee were you hitchhiked you're like no we no we no we were on a big team like, like i said my student manager recruited a big team and uh we all piled into different people had cars, but I think there was probably three or four of us to a car. We drove from Madison down to Nashville, and then we drove from Nashville out to Southern California. I knocked on doors in L.A. County uh, my first summer. 
Oh man, that's not bad territory. Well, that's not bad at all. You know, I, I know I I didn't realize it, uh, but I I didn't I I didn't know you were supposed to get in more than two or three doors a day because I didn't. Uh, you know, I I, <laughs> I I got real good at I got real good at getting right into the books right away. Uh, you know, once I wouldn't get in, but uh, yeah, it was it was a great place to cut your teeth. Uh, a kid who grew up on a farm and then spent the last four years of high school in a very wealthy neighborhood. I mean, that's a, a diversity. That's a very diverse uh, upbringing. And uh, it was just really good. Um, it was just an awesome summer. It, I mean, you know, I made a lot of mistakes, and but still was able to make some money. Wow. Did you did you ever have a time during that first summer where, if you can, I don't know how, how vivid, for me, my memories, I don't think I'll ever forget these, but. Did you ever have a time where you were like, oh man, I can't do this anymore. I'm going home. I quit. Or did you, or was it just a pretty flat out, solid, solid ride? No, you know what? I, I don't think I never seriously considered quitting because it, for me, it was not an option. Oh, it, fair. It wasn't an option. School. And that's why I used to tell my students when I was a salesman, I said, if it's an option, it makes an option. But if it's not an option, it's not an option. <laughs> so yeah. don't even entertain Imagine. it. Yeah. Imagine and, that. And, yeah. Well, and, and part of it, I, I didn't realize this till later after I was, you know, years as a sales manager, but, um, you know, having gone through what I went through, you know, as a seventh grader, uh, right. you know, going through the tragedy of, of that kind of change and dealing with moving, changing schools to that kind of just the different things. Um, I had experienced some pretty deep emotional stuff. So the book field for me emotionally was not the hardest thing I ever did. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that had a lot to do with why it just, I thought, yeah, this sucks. But I mean, I did pay attention to sales school and I, 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 that first sales school was a life-changing event for me. Um, and it was very positive and it was awesome. Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to ask about that. Cause I always ask about the first sales school. I don't know if you've noticed on the episodes you've heard, but that's like the, my first, like my favorite question is what was that like to just, you, you were talking about the enthusiasm right earlier. But like, what were some of the things you remember of like, just, man, this just changed the trajectory of where I'm headed. Well, who can forget more about going, how many of you are here for the very first time? You're going to have the greatest experience of your life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was great. Uh, I, I do remember. You saw him live my, too. You saw him in oh, person. Oh, I saw him live. Yeah. I, I, I saw him speak many, many times. Um, but I remember oh, wow. some things that were just, it was like a work habit of this is what you do, your schedule. But even just some of the things that I heard, I remember hearing one thing uh, in sales school that first summer. That I just I I bought hook, line, and sinker, and that was the philosophy: if you help enough other people get what they want out of life, you will get what you need out of life, what you want out of life. You know, if you serve enough people, I mean, and and all of a sudden, I, I just went from being a salesperson to serving and 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 making sure people saw the books. Now, clearly, I had to have a belief in my product, which I did. You know, and and that was important. And uh, but yeah, that first sales school was was just awesome. And then Alan Clements giving his talk, and you know uh, that he would always give on Wednesday. I think it was uh, about you can do something someday. When are you going to do something? And you know, up to that point in time, you, you have to realize. Uh, oh. Oh no. We may have lost connection really quick. One second. I don't know if you can still hear me, JT. Hello, hello. <clears throat> test, test, test. 
He might have lost JT here for a second. Let me. He might have. Uh, might have had some di- technical difficulties. I will get a hold of JT in just a sec. Um, but in the meantime, a couple of announcements. Actually, this is important. This is a good time to take a quick uh, pause. And uh, let's see here. Yep. Uh, make some announcements. Um, number one. Be sure to look out for us if we're going to be coming into your city. Our plan right now is to start touring at some point and either the beginning of the next year uh, to do some more alumni reunions at slash beer launches. And so we're looking forward to being able to uh, come out. So we're looking at Denver, Chicago, obviously Nashville again. Uh, there's a lot of alumni in Texas. So if you want more information on that, again, make sure you guys sign up for the Colts, the ponytailspodcast.com. It's a good opportunity to do so. Uh, also, I want to get point out that we are going to be going to uh, uh, Bizzler again, so 2.0. I know I brought this up a couple episodes ago, and I don't mean to harp on this every single episode, but it's so fun to have you guys come out. We had a good group of people come out last time, and so we're going to be going to Columbia uh, in 2023, in October next year, so some more people can join, hopefully, for that as well. Um, and then uh, I have a bunch of announcements, actually. This is kind of convenient a little bit. Um, oh yeah, next up, uh, thank you guys, uh, for the people that have, uh, supported and left us a review on Apple podcast specifically. This is really helpful for us if you guys could do so. If you're listening right now on Apple podcast and you want to take this quick time, this quick break, please do so go to, it's kind of confusing how to do it, but you go to, you got to go search the ponytails podcast on Apple podcast. You'll, you'll, it'll bring you up to our page on, up on the app and then you got to scroll down. It's kind of hard to find, but you scroll down, you see the, the our rating, you see all the stars, you see other people's reviews, and you can type in uh, the stars and then type a review out. That would be great. Huge help for us if you guys could do so. Uh, helps really a lot with the algorithm, being able to be discovered, and it helps us out a ton to be able to grow the show that way. Um, and then a couple of things. Heads up on a couple of guests that are coming up uh, next for you guys after JT. One, uh, Nathan Turborg is going to be with us next. Uh, Amanda Q will be with us as well. We were, or will be sharing about her new product line that's coming out. She's uh, designed and launched her own high quality, high end swimsuit line. And she is crushing it right now with that. So looking forward to that. Uh, Brian Slipka is up after that. And then um, a little bit after is going to be our season closer with ron alford so we're looking forward to that we already recorded that episode that'll be coming up to close out the season six uh segment of our show and that'll be dropping let's see if i get the dates right um that'll be dropping i think on the oh september 29th so that's exciting for that uh that that it's going to be an awesome show then we're going to take a break a couple weeks there and then we'll be back for the season seven premiere with Robin Mukherjee. Guys, Firestone on that episode. It's going to be crazy, crazy fun. Uh, that episode, we've also already recorded. <laughs> and it was wild. So make sure you guys come and check that out for sure. Um, and now uh, JT's back. So we're going to bring him back on the screen and continue where we left off. How's it going? Did your computer Good. <laughs> I have no idea what happened, but I... I... I, I was hoping the city of Portland was okay, you know. I, I thought, <laughs> you know, it depends on who you ask at what yeah. point in time of the day. But uh, uh, I'm okay. I'm sorry. I think we lost. No, no, you're good. This this happens. We we plan for this. We have specific announcements that we have just in case something happens. How do we follow up here? 
So you're good. Ah. You're good. You're good. Um, I think we were carrying on from the sales school, the and, and your experiences of like the things that you remembered. Uh, yeah. If you're you're someday, you're going to do something someday. When are you going to do something? And yes. We were talking about some of the like some of the major like memories of that first sales school that kind of really rocked your world and sit yeah. you in this course of awesomeness. It it did. So it fired me up. So I I, I mean I think that ahead of steam and. You know, the fact I experienced, I did great success. I mean, I wasn't the top salesperson or even a Century Club salesperson my first summer, you know. Uh, so oh. it's, and there was like 7,600 students selling that year. Uh, yeah. So those were the days. But, yeah. I mean, so it's not like I was a stellar performer, but, you know, I, I did all right. I made some money and, and uh, you know, it was, it, what's, what's interesting though is when I went back the second summer, and this for all those who just sold for one summer, when you come back, you got to, figure it out. But all of a sudden yeah. I'm sitting there figuring out and I heard Mort give his speech. And when he was done, I thought, okay, uh, that, that didn't feel the same way as it did last year. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> where's the spark? Yeah. Where's the spark? <laughs> Fire me up Mort. Come on. Hit me with it. Come on. Come on. It's not my job. Come on. Uh, <laughs> so that's what happens. Uh, it's a life lesson I remember uh, thinking, oh, gosh, this is where it becomes intrinsic. I mean, truly intrinsic. Oh, and I know I was telling you when we left, uh, the I guess the sales school was so important to me because my junior, senior year in high school, my first year in college, they probably weren't the best well-spent years. I uh, just I probably um, I, I was I was not headed down the right road. And uh, as far as grades and just, uh, you know. Uh, just, I was partying a lot and, uh, it, and, and Southwestern, I guess part of it, what reason I was with them for so long was Southwestern was what I did. The event, the, the company that, that the people that really helped put my life on a track that was a little more meaningful. Well, a lot more meaningful, uh, life changing. And I guess that's why I felt, I, I just felt, man, this is worthwhile. So when I went back for another summer to bring students with me, there was some deep conviction about why this is a good summer job. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting because we've had so many different people on the show, people who were off schedule, people who were the number one first year, people who were the number one. When you, we had Amy Brock Devine. She was the number one of all time. Like, mm. <laughs> like we've had all sorts of different producers, top producers, DSMs, non-DSMs, corporate, which we'll get into that, right? And everybody's experience is a little different the parts were all that they're the same is how they reacted to the experiences. Like everybody we had, we had Tim Potts who sold in 1968. He was telling us about like the first store and the jitters at the first store. We all had that. All of us. No matter if you sold last year, if you sold the first year. Right. But, but, but the also on the other hand, everybody needed the experience that they needed. Right. And what I mean by that is just, just yesterday we were talking to Jessica Olas and she was, or she was talking about how, uh, you know, some people need, I don't know if it was her or somebody at some point we were talking about, Hey, some people can't do it. Some people can't do 80 hours for the whole 12 weeks and they need to take a second to just kind of reconvene, realize that this is what's challenging them, figure out internally what's going on, figure out how to motivate themselves. And so to them, success is just being able to go to the next door, forget selling a ton of books. Yeah. For them, it was just having the courage and the will to maneuver your brain to let you do the things that you wanted to do. Like it's yeah. you versus you. And just even, winning that battle or at least not losing that battle right mm -hmm. some people crushed it and they had i sold seven million units and then seven million and a half and then 35 million units and you're like wow wow 
and that's experience that they needed. Great for them. But it's just interesting to see that it was so different. You said, I was in the top first year. That's fine. But it still changed your life in a in yeah. the way that it needed to. And it's so yeah. cool to hear that. And it's it's I'm just reflecting on that. It's 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 good to hear, you know, yeah. it's good to hear. That's amazing. Did you did you do you remember your first door? Yeah, I remember my first door. Yeah. 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 Well, everyone's <laughs> first door, hopefully the first door no one was home. Did you everyone pick a door that they looked like no one was home? I mean, that's you know, that's what I did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would hope everyone's first door is that one. But uh <laughs> come on, you eat your head. Let's let, I just want to ease into this thing. Um dip my toe. Yeah. And then I went across the street and I, as I walked up, I saw a window shade, a, a shade going and I knocked on this door and, and, uh, the lady wouldn't come to the door, but then she, she was right. She opened up a shade and started talking to me through her window, not through the screen, but through the yeah. window, you know? And I said, yeah. And I, and, and then I'm not even sure if she spoke, I'm not sure if she was really speaking English, but I, I remember I pulled the books out right away and said, look at these kids. Books. You know, so my first actual <laughs> showing of the books was through a window. Um, and so they didn't train me for this. No, no. <laughs> oh, no. that's some good stuff. But, but then, uh, some about four or five hours later, Peggy Jerry uh bought a set of books for her 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 daughter. So I remember that. And then you leave the house, you go, it works. <laughs> I did. I, I I thought, unbelievable, unbelievable. <laughs> I, I we need to. I I think you're inspiring me to ask more about that first customer in that oh yeah store because those are those moments are just so pivotal I don't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just so why you remember her name oh thank you, you Jerry. yeah oh yeah. my gosh that's so it's so fun you leave that house and you go did i just <laughs> i did that yeah <laughs> Did I just really do that? Or is she dumb? Like, like did I fool someone? Like, there's those, so much that goes on. Those closing <laughs> steps, they actually worked? What? Okay, here's what everyone likes about the way I'm doing business. I take your <laughs> back then. <so. laughs> That's never changed. I know. That's what they're still trained. What I everyone know. likes about the way, if you... <laughs> I think I need to get a I need to get a t-shirt that says what everyone likes about the way I do business. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Just walk around and yeah. just wait for someone to go southwestern <laughs> oh that's so good that's so good man so you come back four five more times holy cow and then you did you progress how did your career play out was it like a did you transcend did you kind of peter out you met your wife how did that go i met my wife when i was a sales manager you know after i became a sales manager oh so we'll you get know. into that we'll yeah. And, and honestly, I, I think what really happened, and it's I think it's worth telling us the story, especially for anyone who's a student manager who's thinking about being a student manager. Uh, I remember the last time I was going to see my student manager out in Los Angeles because I was going back, <clears throat> I think, a week earlier than him or something like that. But I had to uh, I had set my goal that I would make enough money that I could fly home because I'd never flown in a plane before. You know, that first summer I saw the uh, I saw an ocean for the first time. I saw did a lot of things for the first time, you know, that I hadn't done. Um, and it was a kind of a big deal. But I remember driving back. He was driving us, me and my roommate back to our headquarters, and uh the, the city was going by. My room my roommate was asleep in the back seat, but and he I just looked at him and I, I realized as I was going through the city and seeing all this, I thought back in the summer and how much I'd learned, how much I'd grown. 
And I looked at Dick and I said, Dick, thank you so much. I just, you know, I'm thinking about this summer and I never could have done any of this without you. And um, you really, you really made a big difference and I'm very thankful. So thank you for getting me out here. And he just kind of, he's driving, he says, oh, yeah, it's all right. You know, you, you'd be able, you'd have done it anyway. You know, you're good. You're good, man. You know, just, <clears throat> and then I remember looking back at the street as it went by as a freeway and thinking he must feel really good right now because if he doesn't feel good, it means I did not communicate effectively what I felt. I did not communicate, but I think I effectively communicated how this changed my life and what a difference it made. And then I thought he must feel good. And then the next thought hit me. I wonder if anyone could ever feel that way about JT Olson. I said, that must be a good feeling. And that's when I think I kind of made a decision. Yeah, I have to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> I got to bring someone. <laughs> I got to go find some poor kid in the dorm of Madison. Or I got to go knock on doors again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I, you know, but uh, so that's really had a, I mean, it really did help me understand. It, it, it made me understand. That's where this conviction started. Like this made a difference in my life. And, uh, and I want to share it. It's like when you find something good, you want to share it. And, um, yeah. you know, uh, that's how I, I built the team. And, you know, I recruited some. I never recruited. I, I think my first team was my biggest team. I recruited 13 people. But, uh, wow. you know, the next year was a couple. Then after that, four, six, I think. And then <clears throat> a couple more. I, I never, I mean, I tried, you know, four or five, I think. Is, is like, you know, I built a little bit of an organization. Um, and then uh, the fifth summer I sold and I was going to go tour Europe. But then Alan Clements and Fred Prevost talked to me about uh, becoming a sales manager. And uh, and it was uh, I just didn't want to because I thought I, I could never make it. You looked at sales managers, think I could never do that job. Those were like, I'm not, you know, I, just the picture what I had. Of sales yeah. Yeah, the picture I had of sales managers was not the same picture I had of JT Olson. And um uh but I had a friend, Gary Atkinson, who who was his sales manager, and he told me, he said, he said, 10, 15 years from now, if you don't try this, are you gonna regret it? I mean, you gotta give it a shot. You know, and I said, Yeah, you're probably right. And the thing that motivated me. One of the one of the things I picked up as a motivation for the next five years was I want to be someone these students can count on. Because when I was a sales, a student salesman, I had four sales managers in five summers. I never, you know, yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, we just we never had, you know, there was never someone constant. It was like every year it was changing. And I don't know why. I guess maybe I just thought sales managers were important and it was an important job. And it's like, if someone's going to cast their lot with you, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you, get, you better stay there. So I really commit. I said, I'm going to make this work. And that was a, it was a driving force. Uh, especially those first couple of years as a sales manager, when you're just, when you don't know what you're doing. I mean, you really don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you're, you're doing everything you can. You're working hard, but you know, it just, it doesn't become natural to about four or five years into it where you realize, okay, I, I got, I can figure this out now. That's so wild. Golly. That's so cool. And then, okay, we'll get into your sales manager career. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, do you remember meeting Lee? What was that? What was that? That must have been an interesting. Meeting Lee McCroskey? 
Yeah, the first time you met Lee McCroskey? I think the first like? time I might have met Lee, I, I think is when he came back from his fourth, third or fourth summer. Uh, I'm trying to think his first summer selling. Was it 78 or – I don't remember his first summer. 78, I believe. Was it 78? Yeah. yeah so, I, uh, you know, I don't think I – I didn't know him because our groups – he was in Kansas, I was in Wisconsin. <clears throat> there wasn't a big meeting, I think, where we went to, and I don't even know if we were in the same sales school together, but he was probably a top salesperson on stage and everything. I, I never I never really was, you know. <laughs> but uh, That guy. That guy. He is one of my favorite people, you know. Uh, he's doc, he's a lot of people's favorite people. Doctor Rock, Doctor Rock, <laughs> Doctor Rock. <laughs> oh man! Well, dang, that's that's awesome. I, I just always think it's so fun to, to to hear like about other people's like I. Grant Greeter was a big part of the organization in the yeah, yeah. In early two thousands. Yeah, and Grant. I always asked all his other DSMs like, yeah, "What was it like when you first met Grant?" Because you know Grant, and Grant's the goofiest, one of the goofiest dudes, like in, in the best way possible. He's just such a fun, like I don't know, like just super low, chill, low maintenance, yeah. goofy dude. And so I'm like, "Was he always like this? Like, is has it always been this? Like, what what was it like when you first met?" I I like we I like asking about first meeting. So that's yeah, that's well, awesome. the the first time I met Lee, I remember it was someplace. It was after after checkout and he was checking out you know it was the end of the summer for him and i think there was a uh, couple sales managers and we got together and i think lee was telling a couple stories from the book field and uh i just remember we were all rolling <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right so yes he's always been that way <laughs> yep um big shout out to lee by the way he's gonna be the one uh doing himself and myself are gonna be uh tag teaming the derby meetings that we have every friday so if you guys don't know every other friday we have a meeting where we get all our jockeys or our sponsors together and we ask them a specific question about business development and growth and they go and share their thoughts on it for an hour and lee is going to be the one that's going to be kind of facilitating that conversation so make sure you guys tune in for those meetings they're going to be posted as regular episodes too as well a little bit separate but you can still find them and that's just something else that you guys can look forward to to having so thanks lee for being part of the team and well being willing to help us out that way so that's awesome um JT. All right. So let me go. So now we're switching hats and we go from suit manager perspective or suit sales, sales student perspective. And now you go into corporate and things change a little bit. What was that trajectory like? How, how long were you in? I, I, I don't know. I, sh I feel like I should know this, but how, how long were you in the company? It was a while after that, right? It was all altogether. It was 20, 23 years altogether. So and uh, a little bit, a little it, bit of time, a little bit. <laughs> enough enough time to know you know where different rooms were in the building uh but uh no i was like i sold officially as a student for five years you know and then my first year as a sales manager i went out and sold that's why you know i say i sold for six summers because well i did um right and uh but that first year was a sales manager so there was 18 years as a sales manager in there so uh, that was, and, and I think it was 19, my second year, 80, 80, 81, 82. My third year as a sales manager is when um, probably the most dynamic student I've ever worked with in my organization uh, walked into the interview room or the hotel room there at Howard Johnson's in Madison, Wisconsin. And there was 10 people in that interview. And uh, there was only, uh, and I had a, one of my field managers running it and it was one of those situations where your field manager really wasn't doing a great job. Uh, and you're just sitting back there and you're kind of going, Oh no, <laughs> but, this is not but good. I got, I got to demo the books. You know, that's usually a good thing is I can always get the crowd in there. Okay. I'll demo the books and see what happens here. You know? Um, 
but and only one person signed up out of that out of those 10 people but that was a girl named sarah maddox um and uh she ended up being a pretty important part of the organization uh of all the students the four thousand students i worked with she was number one uh i, I married Whoa. her a couple years okay. later and <laughs> checks out checks out <laughs> so man you're good at showing books Golly, how did that lady no, actually, the window not buy the first time? Yeah, the the story is she didn't like me when she saw it because she thought he should leave that guy who runs meeting alone. He should, you know, he said, I know, you know, and uh, he's some slick guy there, and and, and uh, so my, you know, she she when she tells the story, she says, I didn't know if I liked them or hated them. Uh, you know, it was I just. Didn't. <laughs> So oh, we got to get an episode with you and Sarah. Just share her side of the story. That'd be fun. You, Lee, and Sarah, that'd be fun. And Deb, just yeah. for Deb, because Deb's awesome. Oh, man, you, that's so funny. So you, you met your wife, things started happening. What what were the biggest differences or maybe some things that you learned as a leader? Because I feel like that's a whole different like ball game is being able to lead an organization of people to go do well. I guess, was there any any major lessons that you took from that experience that, that you still carry with you? Oh, my word. Yeah, I mean, just... Or, any, or your favorite four? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I here's one thing I do know, and this isn't a principle, but just I, I think all of us who worked at Southwestern, you hear it from the stage from sales managers and or people who come in and speak. They say, what you're learning now is going to be invaluable. What you're learning now is going to put you years ahead of your competition. What you're learning now, you know, you hear all that as a student. And, right. and you know, you, you think it and you realize it, but and you, but part of you is going, yeah, they're just they're, they're just pitching me. Right. Like they're supposed to say that. Yeah, they're supposed to say that. But one of the things I have observed is that it is amazing how much the training at Southwestern is, uh, I mean, it's second to none. I mean, it's, it's the best sales training there is people who hear about it and they, you know, they, they get a little dose of it in their own company. They go, Oh my gosh, where'd this, you know, what happened right. here? When, when my wife was uh, uh, looking at different things or I, I can't remember what it was. Oh, I know. Sometimes she gets calls from recruiters and someone said, well, why'd you call me? She said, I saw, I saw on your resume and said, you work for Southwestern. Anybody who works for Southwestern, we want to talk to. You know, I mean, and you hear that. I mean, you hear that a lot as a sales manager. People would come to me and I'd hear a lot, probably more than my students. But <clears throat> I think just one of the things that we it just the, the training and the sales training, the experience itself, it literally puts you, you know, light years ahead of of uh, competition. I don't know if you want to call it the competition, but of sure. your peers. Um, right. But I just I, I, I think one of the I, I shudder to I, I feel really bad. I, I think about my first two, three years as a sales manager. And just, I guess it's natural, but I just think, boy, what a, I would, I, I feel so sorry for the guys I managed because I was just learning and I, I probably made so many mistakes. Oh my gosh. And not, not that I didn't make mistakes later on, but you know, as you get older, you get better at it. You learn. Sure. I did this right and that wrong. And, and uh, you know, just, I just know I made a lot of mistakes, uh, but you learn from them. Um, yeah. I just, I, the things that I keep thinking about, is uh, recognition the cheapest form of motivation? Uh, if you're going to lead a team, whenever you have an opportunity to recognize somebody and and really truly, and I mean sincerely, truly, you know, share their strong points and strengths with the people who are around you, uh, that's a great way. That's a great important thing. I think um, uh, you know, praise in public, uh, you know. 
uh, confront dis- privately. Yeah, yeah, disapprove. What's the word? Disapprove in private. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> no, yeah, praise yeah. in public, correct in private. That's right. Um, so good, you know. Uh, but I and and I just I, I still keep thinking. I think you just got to have service above in your heart. I, I mean, I told you my favorite scrolls number two. You know what? I, I read scroll number two. I don't know about every the first first summer so much, but every day that from the last five summers, I read that scroll every morning. And I don't think I'm exaggerating I because that was part of my deal. And then I would read something else, but I at least read that because I had to have my attitude right about people I met. And I think you take that as a sales manager. You know, uh, when you're driving up from the plains of Illinois and it's January and it's and there's the wind is blowing, it's, it's 10 below and you got to walk across campus, you know, and you're thinking, do I really love this job? You're thinking, no, but but I know that I'm about to walk into a room and there's a kid in there who may watch this interview and he's going to say, I'm going to sell books and I'm going to work with that kid for four years. And the impact that the Southwestern company is going to have on him and me on him and the other people he meets is going to change his life. Yeah, and That's what keeps you going through walking through the snow into that you know, that, that cold hearted classroom, <laughs> you know, the cauldron of college kids, people are like this, going, what do you want? What are you going to talk You know, and you got to loosen them up and you got to, Oh, it, and this, I think about a salesman, you learn how to loosen up a group of strangers, you know, with they, you walk in there, they'd be, especially in the spring recruiting in March, April, when you'd have 20, 20 people in a room or 30 yeah. people. And they're wondering who is this guy? And you're up there making some presentation and you know, it's yeah. you, yeah. You learn a little bit about crowd control. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, But, gee, I mean, I I think about all I learned. I just think about guys like Roy Lofton, Fred Prevost, Dave Causer, you know, Craig Soder. Uh, Oh, boy, I started naming names. I'm leaving leaving some out. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, It's all good. There are just so many stars. Dan Moore. Uh, These are people that I just, you know, I was able to stand on their shoulders. And they they taught me many many things. Jeff Rogers. Uh, see, I started naming names, and all of a sudden, okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a couple of things to say that I wanted to say to you specifically. One, um, it, it's it's remarkable how the experience, like I said earlier, does not change. I remember walking through the cold, cold, cold in Nebraska as well, just to get to that next interview you're like oh, i gotta do it for this kid i that does not change the, the info session and the kids are like ah they got their cool cards because they want to just go and go to the dorms and do nothing so i'm amazed that that's it's refreshing i it, to see that that's always been the experience but i gotta tell you something you impacted a ton of people and i'm coming from a standpoint of the experience where i've talked to at least 100 some of them have been to it at times so at least 160 book people and the one and the ones that have been that were like sold in the 80s 90s who remember your legacy remember you you want to might even been their their manager but they remember you and the things that you taught and the things that you left behind and Hmm. you made a huge impact on a ton of people so i am honored i'm honored to even be talking to you because it's no wonder why your enthusiasm and your love for people is very clear. And so I want to say thank you for all of your legacy and all of that you that you're doing to 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 leave behind this world in a better place. You're taking over the world, my friend. You're awesome. Thank you. Thank, 
Thank you. That's very That's kind so of you to say. Thank you very much. Um, I have a couple of questions more before we go into the ponytails, if that's okay with you. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> a couple things. Well, one that we, we've been doing this rapid fire, this rapid fire, uh, questions and I'll just come up with them and you let me know. So question number one, favorite turf that you sold in, uh, North Carolina. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> Yes, you learn all about tobacco farming. Where's your mama? Backer barn. Back of what barn? Backer barn. Back of what barn? Backer <laughs> farm. <laughs> oh man. No, um, I, I love North Carolina. Did you prefer selling in country, big brick, city, suburb? What was your what was your deal? What was your favorite part? Uh probably country. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, favorite advanced sales tape. Or cassette that you listen to over and over to motivate? Uh, well, the famous Dave Rosen one wasn't made when I was a student. Uh, right, you know, yeah. in fact, I think maybe when I was a student, I'm not sure. If, did we have cassettes? We had to have cassettes. I'm not sure how they did it. I think they came out in the 80s, honestly. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I would probably say Alan Clements' Advanced Sales because that's what I listened to. And that was my era. Old gold i'm glad you mentioned dave rosen that that was still popular that that was so popular that like even someone who sold in the 70s knew about yeah. that that meant that, that well, bill zizzy dave rosen tape is gold yeah that was i remember i remember the year that bill and bill and dave went at it and uh you know it was exciting to watch and you know dave rosen's a good name uh he, he did a lot yeah. he's he's very very uh effective man yeah very very awesome episode with him um and then the the last question is, what makes a person? So let's take two people who have equal skill, equal backgrounds, right? S same same attributes, relatively. What makes one better at sales than another? What what the, what are the like in, un, the fundamentals or like the un, intangibles that like really make you stand out despite talent or skill? Man, I, I think two things come to mind, and, and one is your schedule. <laughs> yep. Sorry, That's beautiful. I, I was a salesman for so too long. Awesome. I I, I just awesome. gotta say it's thirty demos, man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I mean, you Get you can work. make a lot of mistakes, and if you do thirty demos, you're still gonna survive. <laughs> um, no, the other the other thing I would have to say would be. Uh, you got to have an emotion. You got to figure out the why, an emotional purpose. Why are you out there? Something's going to keep you out there and it can't be the money because as we all know, we spend the money. But what's going to keep you out there? What's going to keep you going? Oh. Oh. This, gold. <laughs> this, has been a, this has been an hour and 22 minutes of straight gold, gold, <laughs> gold. Winning. This is, I mean, if I was a you know, favorite advanced sales tape, JT Olson's Ponytails podcast episode. Boom. That's <laughs> That's what they're going to say now. That's what they're going to say now. Oh, man. Well, my friend, uh, I, I I think it's a good opportunity to get into the ponytails. And this is usually, for people who don't know, this is the first episode. Uh, this is this is usually the segment where we have our guests share their favorite lessons, stories, memories, uh, impactful moments, like any any anything that we've had a variety. We've talked about people who went to jail and almost, and then didn't go to jail and hit Sizzler. We had people who... <laughs> Uh, found Jesus. We had we found people who met their spouse. 
we've had a variety. So we give the opportunity to our guests. Um, and before we get to that, big shout out to our friends over at NLA Energy. If you guys are looking for something to do with your experience at door to door knocking, you still like the thrill and you want to learn a little bit more about how to make more money for the same amount of work ethic, well, you can go hang out with them. They do solar and they're changing uh, the way that people power their homes. And it's a good opportunity to help people save some money uh, instead of paying a ton on their electric bills, help them save some money and uh, put some money in your pocket. A sale every other week is a six figure income in solar, which is kind of crazy, but that's a good opportunity. Thank you so much, and lights. And then of course, V Designly, they design our website. If you want a website that looks like ours, that's awesome. Let us know. They are in Estonia, so the pricing is pretty affordable, and it has a great opportunity to make your business shine. Go to uh, theponytailspodcast.com or messages if you want to learn more about how to get in touch with them. Last but not least, Cardinal Senior Benefits, big shout out. They are on a high, high recruiting rate. They've been doing it since 2018, so the last four years. They've doubled every year. They're looking to do so again, and so their top agents are earning between 12 to 15K uh, gross per week working about 35 hours on average. So they work in smart and hard. Let us know if you want more info on that too. Comment below or click uh, on the link or messages either way. So now back to this, the Ponytails podcast, the Ponytails of JT Olson. The microphone is yours, my friend. Wow, what a ride. Nobody doesn't add like Mr. Gamboa. There you go. He mixes it really well, folks. He's got it together. That's the man. Please, Mr. Gamboa is my father. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man but thank you i'll, I'll take that thank you <laughs> um all right jt let's hear it ponytails podcast ponytails of jt olson i you know I, there's a there's I, I guess when i think about a ponytail thing or just you know those last minute you know you know end zone runs <laughs> you know that kind of thing yeah. it was yeah i had to, I, I what comes to my mind is my second summer i was in upstate new york and um it was in the morning. I had a car that the gas tank had a leak in the bottom. Okay. I mean, it just, it was one of those things. And, and, uh, you know, and, and I had, I just put gas in it. I had $2 left in my pocket. And I, if I'm going to get back to my headquarters, I've got to do something. And I think I'd remitted all my money. It was, there was a Monday, I think it was, or two. It was just one of those mornings. And I thought, okay. And I, and I remember praying, dear God, please, this, I mean, I got to make some money. <laughs> and Help. I, yeah. And it's not like I was kicking butt. That was, again, I was never, uh, I never was made a top salesperson until my sixth summer. But um, uh, so it's not like I, you know, I, you know, I was, it was what it was, but I remember I took this turn. I remember going on this road and there's a street up, there's a dirt road. I said, well, let's see. It looks like some mailboxes down here. I drove up there and there was these three houses and they, turns out they were all related, but I stopped at one and they bought, they paid cash. They bought the next one, bought, they paid cash. The next one bought, they paid cash. And I remember coming down from that hill and I had probably $130 in my pocket. And I just thought, oh, wow. This is half a semester in three houses right there. Half a semester, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, I, I think just, my faith. It's a true pony thing. story. That, I took, yeah. It was for me. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's three yeah. of them. It, it was for me. <laughs> 
Oh, glorious. Hey, that's a great story. I'll, we'll take that. We'll take that. <laughs> you know, we've had a big customers. We've had it all at this point, man. That's, just, that's funny. I love it. And it's funny how it happens. That's like, that kind of stuff in the book field tends to happen right, right when you needed it to happen. Yeah. You know, it just, <laughs> it just, that's just what you're like, wow. Those moms that you're hungry, you forgot your lunch, you're maybe or whatever. And you knock on their door and she's like, you want a sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's a, there's a lot of pollen in that sandwich. That's right. Yes. Oh, man. Ah, man. Well, JT, this was this has been so phenomenal. This has been a, an a awesome experience. Thank you so much for being part of our show. Oh, it's it's really been an honor. And it's a joy for me to share uh, all the things I learned because Southwestern clearly had a huge impact on my life and uh the yeah. life of my i've had two of my kids have sold books and and uh i just i just think it's a great experience it's it's a life-changing thing that and you can rock the world and uh you know it just taught me many things and i had a chance to share that with other people too so i feel very blessed thanks that for being awesome me. yeah absolutely we'd love to have uh sarah on and then your two kiddos that'd be a fun like uh the, the game <laughs> Yeah. so fun yeah oh man if you'd be if you guys would be open to you're welcome anytime um i might follow up with you on that too a couple things okay. i'll follow up with you about podcasting uh with yeah. so that way we yeah. can get you guys at least some eyeballs elsewhere and we'll just do i'll just i'll just, whatever you guys need to know what to do let me know we'll, we'll figure it out for you guys um also i need to get you in touch with uh my family in hawaii so you guys can kind of like at least plug into a community that's really helping right. families as well. And, uh, and then of course, uh, if you guys are listening in and you can't see the screen, if you're just maybe doing dishes or something, JT is in Jack and Thomas. Is that, I don't, what does JT stand for? I've never even, uh, I, I just prefer to tell people it stands for just terrific. Just terrific Olson. That's perfect. Just terrific. JT isn't just terrific at both hands dot org is in b-o-t-h-h-a-n-d-s dot org if you want more information you can message him email him um and figure out how to help how to get involved please do so it's a wonderful organization they're doing amazing things you can also just go to their website and we'll put the link below too so that way you, people can just kind of click and go directly there to learn a little bit more about that for sure um guys thank you so much my name is andres gamboa hope you guys enjoyed the show if this was your first episode and you like what you heard go back and listen to some more make sure you subscribe leave us a review tell people about this if you're a book person listening to this for the first time tell everybody you know how it works that's how it works just go tell them have you not heard about us yet good go tell more people about it <laughs> thank you so much have a good one everybody don't